Hello listeners and welcome back to Mace's podcast series In Conversation With, a podcast for Mace people. My name is Daniel Regan, Director of Marketing and Communications. And my name is David Hendy, Head of Corporate Comms. And each month, we'll be picking ambition makers from across the business, shining a light on their inspiring journeys. We'll be uncovering what it means to be an ambition maker, how our guests achieved it, and they'll be sharing their insight on how you too can redefine the boundaries of ambition. The Mace Group Ambition Makers Podcast. Thank you for joining us both. Uh, my name is David Hendy. I'm Macy's Head of Corporate Comms and welcome to the second episode of our new series of Ambition Maker podcasts. Today I'm joined by Gail Doyle and Adrian Bywaters. So uh, if you could in turn introduce yourself, Gail. Hi, thanks Dave. Yeah, I've been at Mace for eight years now, which I don't know how that's happened. It seems to have gone by in a flash. Um, I'm a senior manager with the Operate Bid team and I've got a construction and project management background. So my role, I tend to focus on everything to do with building, you know, cons- uh, construction handover, BIM, soft landings, mobilization. I get to write the mobilization programs for our projects. Um, we've got quite a lot of major bids going on at the moment. And the, the slight difference in my role is that whilst everybody else might pick up one bid, I tend to work across all of them. So um, it can get quite a bit bit busy. Um, I'm also the co-chair of Enabled at MACE, MACE's Disability Network. Um, And more recently, there's been a bit of a crossover between my big development world around content and accessibility and what I do at Enabled. So looking at accessibility of our documents and uh, a new DNI bid content on our SharePoint site. So um, that's that's been quite an interesting crossover, definitely. Brilliant. Thanks, Gail. And what's what's your background before Mace? What did you do before you joined us? Uh, I was a QS and a project management for a project manager for a consultancy company. Brilliant. So yeah, always always been in construction <laughs> <laughs> ever since I was sixteen. <laughs> a lifer, clearly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Adrian, same same question to you. What's what's your uh, what's your role at Mace? Oh, yeah. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm operations director in the uh, construction engineering team. And I'm also aligned as being the engineering lead with our major projects business. Um, That generally means covering the whole gambit of engineering topics from our bid work uh, through live work and anything that is required, unfortunately, a little bit post handover defect management sometimes comes into it. Um, But the focus more recently has been work winning bids same as Gail, um, had three uh, significant bids going on in the last four or five months, which has been uh, challenging. They all came to a conclusion a couple of weeks ago. So it's kind of been a, that's dropped off a cliff and fingers crossed waiting to hear. And do you, do you find that that's a kind of regular cycle in your work that sometimes you've got a really big focus on bids and sometimes it's more about operational delivery? Yeah, it, it, it does go through. I, I think there's a, a certain constantness with the bidding but in in some business units um what i find in major projects because they are larger they are sometimes a little more um spaced out and there are some gaps there's always something going on there's always something going on but there seemed to be a particular uh push uh since december where we had uh, two or three major bids going on at the same time so it, it was fun and challenging at the same time um, but uh, yeah, it, it was nice to get them all submitted. I think we did an excellent job. 
there's no reason why we shouldn't be successful. Brilliant, good to hear. Uh, so fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. And and I guess I guess for both of you, you know, the last the last oh god, nearly eighteen months now has obviously been pretty different for everyone in terms of how we've worked and what it's been like to, you know, if you've been coming to the office, if you haven't, if you've been going to site, if you haven't. So I mean, I guess what's and particularly the last, you know, in the UK at least, I'm conscious that that Mace operates around the globe and it's not true everywhere. In the UK at least, we've we've seen the world beginning to open up a bit. What's the last kind of three to four months been like for you in terms of how you've worked, Adrian? Um, the last three to four months have been uh, interesting. I, I'll have to admit, I've adapted to working from home largely very well. I don't know if that means I'm a miserable so-and-so and I like being <laughs> on my own. Um, but uh, if you'd have asked me 12 months ago, working from home was very inefficient. I, I wasn't set up for it. It didn't work for me. It meant dining room table if I was ever doing it, and I didn't like doing it. Being forced to do it, uh, setting ourselves up properly has meant it's worked reasonably successfully. Um, although I always reminded myself that our project teams didn't all have that luxury. Yeah. Our project teams are all still on site and were, with the exception of two weeks, something of that order. And, you know, we had to be supportive and respectful of that. What they didn't need is tourists. If I didn't need to go to site, there was no need to go to site. If things could be done remotely, they should be. Um, and and therefore, it was minimal. Um, but over the last four months since Christmas, yeah, starting to get it back out there. Nice to get to a few sites uh, in the office. It's probably averaging out a couple of days a week now. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's nice to get it back out there. That face-to-face contact is different yeah it's really we're, we're all pretty good at teams i think we all we all settled into it quite well the face-to-face is different yeah it's really important isn't it it makes such a difference uh gail what about you how have you found the last kind of the, this this year and the little bit running up to now yeah i think i'm with adrian on the face-to-face i i'm i'm ready for it now because i haven't been back into the office since last march um so it's a long time to not see colleagues and i, I think you you feel after a while that you're just working looking down a tunnel so I think Mace has been absolutely fantastic because literally overnight, I mean, I, I used to do quite a lot of my work at home anyway, but overnight, everybody was working from home. And we suddenly went from this situation where nobody would have their cameras on to, to the majority of people putting them on. And I just think it's been brilliant because um, the organization that my husband works for, they weren't ready for remote working and and his whole experience at the beginning of lockdown was very different to mine so I, th- I think for Mace you know the 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 whole change has been brilliant but the last sort of three to four months um it's been it's been quite strange sort of thinking about gradually meeting up with people and uh you know I've been taking it slowly I I do actually quite like being at home on my own <laughs> quite a homebody uh, so it's been nice to just kind of get out and gradually take take the pace slowly and start to feet, see friends again and uh, it's been great to see uh see my mum and dad and hug them for the first time and uh, my son my youngest son he had five driving test cancellations Ooh. and he finally finally managed to get a test um just as lockdown was released this time and he passed fortunately oh, wow. but now we don't sit. so being locked down with all of us all together suddenly nobody's in the house you know so it seems, seems quite strange <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great dear. i guess so so the reason we're here today is that both of you were were nominated and then chosen as, as part of our kind of new crop of ambition makers the people across Mace who are kind of living our purpose the new program we introduced so I, I guess I, I think first of all I'd be really keen to hear from from you about 
why why you were nominated and what it was like to kind of find out you've been picked an ambition maker. So I guess starting with you, Gail, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks. So I was nominated for my work with Enabled. So, um, but I think that the it's about this crossover again that the skills that I bring to Enabled is the project management really. So it's about pushing the program forward for the network and making sure that everything we do is interconnected and the you know there's communications around what we're doing and so it's it's just managing Enabled like a project and the amount of work that is involved within our networks is just incredible. I mean, the people that sit as chairs across all of our networks are phenomenal, the amount of work that they put in. So on average, I think we're, we're each of us are putting in between eight and 12 hours a week. And that's really where the nomination came from, you know, is, is making sure that to, to get the network to get to where it is today has required that level of dedication. So, yeah, it was really flattering. It was a lovely thing. And I think the the thing about ambition makers is it's a gift that keeps on giving because I know in some of the sessions that have happened around the business trying to promote ambition makers that people have said it it really increases your your confidence. It's great to to have this sort of boost and become very visible. I've I've had to get used to being very visible in the business as, as part of the network. And suddenly when you get an ambition makers award as well, it's like, wow, okay, you know, it's, it's another sort of step up. So it's a it's a really, really, really exciting thing to be part of. And I think the stories as well that that generates. So everyone who is an ambition maker has a story. And when they're shared on the webinars and and, and, and you then, the networking between people as a result of it is just brilliant. Just It's, it's just lovely. Even though we're in this kind of lockdown situation, I've met more people through the things that I've done through Enabled and Ambition Makers than I had previously in the office. I think because you have that, you know, you're kind of thrown together and you have that opportunity to talk. So, uh, yeah, really great program. And the and the prize money, I don't know what, what you'd want to call it, award money has been great because I've invested all of that in um, inclusion resources. So really great set of books, and, and that, that's been uh, that's been really useful as well. That's amazing, dear. Can you can you? I guess I guess for people listening who are perhaps a little bit less aware of, of Enabled, do you, can you talk us through kind of the journey that Enabled has made been on and where where you're at with it at the moment? Yes, yeah, certainly. So we launched uh, nearly a year ago. Although Kevin Bowsher, my co-chair, and I were involved from late 2019 was when we first started talking about setting up Enabled. And then, of course, we were frustrated by COVID, um, you know, and all the executive were a little bit little bit distracted. And then uh, Gareth Lewis very kindly stepped up as a sponsor for us. And um, he, was re- he was really happy to support us. So Enabled is our disability network in the business. And the idea is, is that we create awareness and remove barriers for those with with disabilities. But it's not just for those people with disabilities. It might be people who are carers or they might be parents of children who have disabilities. And that could include anything that is a a, a mobility impairment. It might be neurodiversity conditions like dyslexia or ADHD or autism. Um, And also anyone else who has an interest in disability. So it might be line managers We've got quite a lot of people from HR who attend our resources, you know, our webinars and so on and so forth. And that's that's been really good because they make a great contribution as well. So, so Adrian, kind of moving on to you. So can you talk to us a little bit more about uh, your Ambition Maker nomination and how, how you think it came about? Yeah, certainly. Um, 
So I was nominated because of the support I uh, give to encouraging our young engineers, I'm sorry, all of our engineers to achieve professional membership with the Institution of Civil Engineers. Um, It's something I'm absolutely passionate about. We've got some extremely talented people in our business. And so encouraging them, seeing the, helping them see the benefit. What's, I often get asked, what's the point? Why do I want to be professionally qualified? I see it as the next logical step for people's professional development. It, it's a, a, should we call it a quality mark? Mm-hmm. It's a benchmark. You, you've been judged as meeting a certain quality. It helps you as an individual. People see it as you're someone who dedicated yourself to achieving that level of qualification. It helps Mace. It's great to be able to show the number of qualified chartered professionals we have in our business. And it's very well regarded internationally. So if you had a, a spr- aspiration to go international with Mace, uh, being a chartered civil engineer will uh, hold you in good stead. And but I guess actually, there, there are, you know, there, there are certainly, you know, not, not just you across Mace is, is engaged in this process to help people through. But, but what, you know, you clearly go above and beyond to, to provide this help and support to people. So what drives you to go out and do that? What drives me forward? Well, I like to deliver technical excellence. One of the best quotes I ever had when I was interviewing a graduate, why do they want to be an engineer? Why did they want to join and be a chartered engineer eventually? He said, well, anyone can deliver 90% of a job. It takes real skill to deliver 100% of a job, and that's what engineers do. Now, other people will tell me that other people are capable of that as well, <laughs> but I really like, I, I really like that quote. For me, if we have got a great team of technically competent people in our business, it's going to be hugely beneficial to us. It's going to allow us to the ultimate goal of delivering these awe-inspiring projects. Mm. Whilst I lead a lot of our uh, professional development for our engineers, I only am able to do that because of the team of people who also do it. So we've got a network of supervising civil engineers. Uh, We've got about just over 20 and those people support three or four trainee engineers each. So it's all these people who help. Uh, I, I, I don't do it myself. It's all these people who help do it with me. I definitely agree with that, Adrian. You know, the, the, the team of people who support at Enabled are just fantastic. So Ian Steer and Kerry Smith and Sarah Cannon and, you know, the, the, there's a really long list, Helen Aspinall, you know, they all they all bring something really special to the team. And I guess for, for both of you, really, you know, the things you're kind of, I hesitate to call them extracurricular activities outside of your day job at Mace. They're, they're both kind of rightly recognised by the Ambition Makers panel as having contributed a huge amount to the business. I guess, starting with you, Gail, have you seen a change in Mace in the last few years or over the time you've worked here about, you know, Enabled at Mace is quite a recent development, but clearly it's been in the works for a while. Have you seen a change in the business recently that's that kind of helped this stuff come to the forefront? I think it probably started with Pride. You know, Pride made a, a huge amount of noise and made a really significant amount of progress when they started and they set that base level, that baseline for all the other networks. So actually, there are quite a lot of other networks that are quite recent. Women at Mace launched last year, you know, Eden haven't been around for long. So definitely Pride has been, been the instigator of all of this. And so I think that's been the big change. And then all the other networks have come from that. And I think it sets a precedent. So when you look at what happened during COVID, when there were all these parents trying to work, trying to bring up their children, feed them, teach them at home and everything as well. You know, immediately the response around the business was, well, let's set up another network. Let's set up parents at Mace. And I think that's fantastic because people within the business are recognising these needs for these these extracurricular 
areas, you know, be those professional as in terms of what Adrian's doing or, um, you know, supportive, supportive networks in, in terms of the other networks that we have within the business. And I just think that's great that we have a, a culture and an environment and the exec allow that to happen within our business. I think that we're, we're you know, the fact that we are here as ambition makers as a result of stuff we don't necessarily do as part of our day job is fantastic to be recognised in that way is lovely. Does that resonate with you, Adrian? Absolutely. I think whilst my nomination as Ambition Maker was purely for uh, professional development, the wider networks of development that are available within MACE, you know, you can develop as a professional, but you can develop and be supported as an individual across the whole gambit of requirements yeah i guess i guess agent you, you're on because i mean you're, you're not just involved in the ICE stuff you're also on the apprentice steering group so i guess do you see uh as as that young talent comes through you're, you're relatively new to mace do you do you think that the new strategy and the new focus and the kind of post-coded stage is is putting that stuff front and center totally totally i think the work with the apprentice steering group helping that team shape where our young apprentices can go our young people who are highly talented you know let's dispel any myth that apprenticeship is different to full-time study you know these are very bright people who have chosen the learn while you earn route to developing their career and it's very much an individual choice but these are some very bright people who will absolutely progress on in our business and will get to senior positions within our business because uh, some of them are staggeringly bright and challenge us. Brilliant. So to move away a little bit, I guess, from the kind of uh, the ambition makers stuff and, and, and why you were nominated, I, I think looking more broadly, I guess I'm really interested always when we chat, you know, you're, you're both people who've made your career in the built environment. So I guess, Adrian, starting with you, what, what drove you to kind of work in the built environment? Where's, where's that passion come from? That's a really interesting one. And, and the answer is, this is really going to be sound bad. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I was following the very traditional education route, O-levels, then A-levels, maths and physics and computer and science. Looking at the opportunities, my A-levels fitted very well with civil engineering or accountancy. Didn't fancy the latter. Uh, so uh, civil engineering gave it a go. And I think what really made the difference to me, I did a sandwich course. So I did a full year placement in the middle of my course. And I was with a contractor and spent that year on site and absolutely loved it. I liked the site environment. I liked delivering projects. My previous career prior to Mace, I was with the same company for 30 years. And people say, oh, that's a long time. But it's really not. Every time you change project, you change team, you change location, the variety was huge and i've had the opportunity to build what i think have been some great buildings what's what what are you most proud of the best job i worked on the greatest building i ever worked on was a football stadium i think every certainly every engineer should do a football stadium they are unique and they're hard work (laughs) uh i think our colleagues have just finished the uh tottenham stadium Mm -hmm. will tell you that unfortunately the one i did was coventry city not quite as awe-inspiring Um, and Coventry City promptly got relegated the next season and never actually played at the new stadium. Uh, London Wasp Rugby Union play there now. They bought it instead. But it's a great stadium, and I, I think at the time I'd have told you it was the worst job I ever worked on. It was hard work. And then as soon as I finished it, do you know what? It, I realised it was the best I ever worked on. What we did as a team and what we achieved was uh, 
but it was hard work at the time. <laughs> it's amazing. So, Gail, same same question to you. What what what's driven you into our industry? Why are you uh, why have you made a career here? Gosh, I don't think there was any question about it. I am a fifth generation building professional in my family, and I've got another one oh. following up in my footsteps. So, um, my my dad used to run um, a building company from our front room, um, which grew and grew and grew. And I just remember, I think I was about four. I think my first memory was of sitting on beer barrels when he gave out the Christmas bonuses. And um, recently, so my my grandmother ran the building firm before him and then prior to that my great-grandfather he he bought the business but he worked in private practice and in those days he weren't allowed to cross over you know contracting and private practice were kept very separate he was a QS um, and he he wasn't able to run it which is why my grandmother took over it so quite pioneering in those days wow. you know for a woman to be head of a construction business and then I sent my dad on a kind of voyage of discovery and he found out that both my great-great-grandfather was in construction as well. So uh, there's, a, there's a very long family line. So I always, felt, I always felt comfortable in it. There was never any question, although we're talking, you know, 30-odd years ago as a female, I, there was never any question about being in the construction industry. It's just never felt alien to me because it's just been part of our family, just felt a natural progression and something to do. That's amazing to to have that kind of family history is is just astonishing. What's I mean? Does, do you, do you feel that that gave you an insight into the industry you were joining and meant that you you knew what you were getting into a bit more? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because at sixteen, I was doing measured term contract work with the Met Police. You know, I was go, I was going out doing surveying as a holiday job in the summer. You know, so I knew what I was getting into. And then obviously yeah, did A levels and then went on and did a QSing degree. It's such a fantastic foundation for so many elements of the construction industry you know cost and law and so on and so forth and and I use all of that every day in the job I do now and what's what's been your what's been the thing you've been most proud of working on I think major projects so I've really really enjoyed being on site and that that's the element of my job I miss because I ended up in facilities management and I went on and did a postgrad qualification and it was another string to my bow so I always had those sort of three elements going the QSing the project management and then the facilities management so I really enjoy the element of my job at the moment which focuses on the construction side because that gives me gives me that that element within my role but I do miss being on site I think that's that's when I've enjoyed enjoyed myself the most is being part of a site team and uh, never being able to find a clean spoon and <laughs> developing really bad habits with tea bags <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much both. I think it's a nice way to end. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.